This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we've packed a number of shows together to give you some highlights. I know you're going to enjoy the show. Thank you for being with us today. Jim, welcome back. Honored again to keep continuing the conversation about how to improve our relationships with our children. I mean, the most important people are in our lives, right? That's why we claim we do all of this, right? We work so hard for them, but they get just what's left, unfortunately. And so I want to jump into some more about the family board meetings, the philosophy behind that, and just let's dive in there. Excellent. Let me start with a quick story that helped ignite this whole thing. You know, because when this was written, it came up at a big time in my life. Someone sent me an article about a guy named Isaacson. Now, this is back in 2011. And Walter Isaacson was the biographer for Steve Jobs. And this article was really interesting, Whitney, because he was interviewed by Time Magazine a few days after Steve Jobs passed away. And the article said this, Steve Jobs spent his final days surrounded by close family. And he used the opportunity for final interviews to explain to his wife and children why he wasn't always there for them. And Jobs was quoted as saying, I just wanted my family to know who I was. I wasn't always there for them. And I wanted them to know why and for them to hopefully understand. And the biographer right there, so here's Steve Jobs on his deathbed, according to the article. And he fires a question at Steve Jobs. He says, Steve, are you glad you had a family? Are you glad you had children? You know, really powerful question. arguably one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. But Steve fired right back as sick as he was. And what they said, he said was this. He said, man, it's 10,000 times better than anything I've ever done. 10,000 times better. And it was crazy for me to see this at the time, Whitney, because, you know, I was watching the news and media. I saw all the murals that were painted about Steve Jobs, the candlelight vigils, these incredible stories that, that, wow, I looked up to. But no one was talking about this part of his life. And that really gave me an awakening that day. You know, that as I built my businesses, I wanted to be successful in business and at home. I didn't want to be in that situation. And reading that article that day, if I had been put into the same position, having the rug of health pulled out from me, I would have probably been doing the same thing. I'd have been doing final interviews to explain to my wife and kids why I wasn't always there for them, why I moved the goalposts on this next benchmark and goal. You know, and that's something I really needed to hear. You know, at the time I was just a going through the process of adopting my sons, you know, working the big real estate business, and I had been approved to donate a kidney to my father. So this was a just a pinnacle moment in my life where I said, I'm getting pushed to such a point of critical with all these things happening. I'm going to change my curiosity and my commitment towards family life. This is how this strategy came about. So back to where we were though. You know, we've talked about a couple of things. We've talked about the power of scheduling quality time with your family, with your, your spouse, with your children. We've talked about one-on-one time. This is the secret sauce. No one talks about it. If you separate the parts and strengthen the whole, man, it does wonders. One-on-one time is so rarely used, but so incredibly effective. And then intermittent tech fasting, right? You want to make sure that you're making yourself completely and totally unavailable. Now you do these for dates, or let's get back to especially these days I do with my children. The third step is you know, a fun activity of their choice. You know, I'm one-on-one intermittent tech fasting for that time we're together. And I let them play in the day. You know, we entrepreneurs and business people are pushy with me. You know, it. we want to do the best. We think we know. But what if you and I say, or if I say, oh, I'm going to take my son to a Jaguars game, you know, and go and say we bonded. But I never asked the question, does he really like football? Or is that something that he's going to for me? Let's let them play in the day. That's where individual talents and interests start to come up. 
So I let my kids plan the day. I go all in. Yes. And I've had some pretty embarrassing princess parties with my daughter. And, you know, sometimes they'll choose to go back to the alligator farm at this age right now, two out of the four times of their board meetings for that year. But it's really about just letting them plan the day, going all in. And then after having a meal, there's some time to talk. And with that time of talking, normally two important things come up with me where it's, it's a really great opportunity if we'll take it. And this is not comfortable for me. Uh, it doesn't come naturally to me. But this is the time you can give a sincere apology or a genuine compliment. And man, if I've learned anything, that is really lacking in a lot of society, but even in family life. You know, sometimes as entrepreneurs, we feel like we have immunity. Yeah, we'll lose our patience. We'll, you know, not keep a commitment and we'll say, yeah, but you know how hard I'm working. And we'll almost give ourselves what I call entrepreneurial immunity. And it works at 11, but it's not going to work at 25. And so you're planting some really bad seeds. So I try to use these times where I go all in, I have fun. And I try to make sure if there's a genuine compliment or a sincere apology, I owe that that's what I deliver on these board meetings. I've not heard that terminology before, the entrepreneurial immunity. I can relate to that personally. And probably a lot of people listening you know, can as well. I appreciate you bringing that out. Uh, and even the, you mentioned giving a sincere compliment during that time and, you know, the fun time and speak to, you know, letting them decide on what you're doing. Like I surprised one of my boys recently with, I knew it was something he wanted to do, but he didn't know we were going to do it that day, you know, but you know, I guess how open is that to your children? You know, like how do they know what the options are or how do you kind of help nurture that a little bit? Yeah. I think I included a list in the book of ones that we've done, but they can be pretty simple. You know, we're talking where some parents will be going, oh man, I don't, I'm building the business on the money for that. Where we are, the beach is free. You know, they've asked to go to the beach or the alligator farms, $12, something like that for locals. So I just tried to see if things they say they'd like to do. Like there's a pirate museum. My second oldest son, and they're, oh, the pirate museum. So when it's time to plan his board meeting, he's trying to think and I'm saying, remember you like that pirate museum. So I'm not planting the seed of something I want to do. It's something he brought up you know, kind of like you were just talking about. But there's normally, first off, there's things that they've mentioned or just give them a blank whiteboard. You can plan it any way you want to. Oh, wow, we can do anything. And they just get so excited. And I'd like to go eat at this place. And then I want to go listen to story time at the library. And then you'll be shocked at what they come up with. You can kind of give some nudging. But if you say, do whatever you want, that's fine. Now, Again, it's so funny with me that everyone brings up budget and I want to be respectful of that, but I can't tell you how many times, you know, the budget has been next to nothing but a simple lunch, you know? So it's, we think our kids are going to pick something really pricey and our board meetings are not, Hey, I'm going to go pick out this big expensive toy. That's not what these are about. These are experiences together. But really, again, I just give them a blank whiteboard or I try to listen to things they want. Uh, Like I'm thinking about one time. One of my sons, this is years ago, we had mentioned that, and this is a bigger one, but it's an example. He really wanted to try Typhoon Lagoon or one of the Disney ones. And we're only two hours from there. So we had to go down there for a work thing. And literally, we had him fooled that the whole family's in the car and we're, we're driving to drop me off at my conference for the day. And, and I'm dressed up and we say, okay, time to get out. And then, okay, you too. And he's like, wait, you're going to work? I said, no, it's a board meeting at Typhoon Lagoon today. And he's like, Wow, you know, it's one of the most memorable ones. So that's more of a high end one. But again, 
For us, the beach is free. The park is free. Going to a field and throwing the baseball is free. So I would not get too concerned about that. But again, you open up to a few things they like in that whiteboard, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, love that. I think my oldest son, I took him the first time and we went on a hike. That's what he wanted to do together. It cost nothing, right? Oh, and he wanted some decaf coffee. So there's $3. Yeah, so we yeah, I treated him to that. And then the, my next son, it was uh, roller skating. He had never been, he, like he, he'd seen this sign somewhere and he'd never been. And so he wanted to go. I think that was $10 or something, you know? And so, it, but it was great. It was something they wanted to do. Well, let's dive into some of the more of the educational framework or, you know, how you think about lessons behind, you know, this philosophy and whatnot. Yeah. So rhythms are something that we've discussed. You got to put a few family rhythms in place. So we talked about date night. We talked about the family board meeting. We talked about every day trying to do the dinnertime challenge, right? These are rhythms. These keep the beat to my family life, simple beat to my family life. Those are three of them. We probably have about seven to 10 in our life, but you really put two to three into work, you're going to start to feel more of a grounding in your family life. When it comes to lessons with me, I am very involved in my kids' education, trying to get them lessons that I wasn't taught, but guys like you and I are starving to learn more of today in our professional career. So when our kids hit about the sixth grade, we have a conversation with them saying, look, we want to support your education. These are three core subjects that aren't usually taught in school. And we do a blend of homeschooling and Montessori and different things, but but we want to make sure we teach them and learn them together because it's going to strengthen our relationship. And I know no matter you want to be a an astronaut, a farmer, an investor, a business owner, an athlete, these will help you no matter what. And so I'm always trying to get my kids lessons in personal development, financial intelligence, and relationship skills. Those are the three things. It's kind of our education matrix that my wife and I designed. And every Tuesday night, here's another rhythm. Every Tuesday night is Teen Mastermind. So our younger ones are allowed to watch a Disney movie or something. And the two of us, my wife and I with our older teens and sometimes their friends joins, we have teen nights. We're going to play a financial game. We're going to read a book together. We discuss anything from suicide to porn to addiction, any, you know, the big things that no one wants to talk about, that's our team night. So I'm always trying to get lessons that I feel aren't discussed enough. And it's on us. We should always be involved in our kids' education. That's just my opinion. I was making some notes there. I thought that was so good right there. You said, and you call it team night? Team mastermind. Team night. Awesome. And this can be a little controversial, but it's like for sports, for work, for hanging out with friends. I'm like, look, we give a lot of free time. This is our one night. Like we said, like Wednesday is 5.30, is me and my wife. Like we're spending that. My, a friend wants to get together. No, I'm sorry. You know, a business dinner. No, I'm sorry. Same thing we've said for our teens. Look, the things we teach and discuss at this night are going to help you. We, we got to keep this ground sacred. So yeah, we'll miss it once in a while. Something comes up, but we really keep that night sacred because that's all about learning those three subjects with me in different games and, and formats of, I'll talk about one thing that you really want to start doing with your kids. But again, something around personal development, something around financial intelligence, something around relationship skills. That's incredible. I love that. Tell me, is there anything, that, anything that's helped you to come up with those topics or like the content, things like that. I can see some parents thinking, well, I don't know what, you know, how to talk about those things with my teens, right? Or maybe this might seem difficult, but what has helped you to come up with the content? So it, I don't know, you know, it's just more of a 
mastermind, right? Or a time together as a family. So you're discussing these things and a a loving relationship, right? It's not condemning in any way or anything like that. Yeah. So a great starting point. So the way I came up with those three subjects, just so you know, we won't go too deep into that. But years ago, when we started doing family masterminds, getting entrepreneur families together for these masterminds, I started to get clarity on what is the biggest concerns you have for your kids? What are the toughest times you've gone through in your life? And I probably interviewed about a thousand entrepreneurs on that. And the hard times that they had in their life, they weren't prepared for really. And we wanted our kids not to necessarily avoid these times, but be better prepared, avoid some of them, but be better prepared. And based around the seven core ones that people experienced all the same, you know, we found that those three subjects could help eliminate or minimize the pain of those things, financial intelligence, personal development, relationship skills. Those things would have helped with these toughest times of addiction, illness and death, times of unknown in your life, times of possibly loss or abuse. Those three subjects can help aid in it. And the starting point, again, the solution doesn't have to be as complicated as we make the problem. We put this pressure on ourselves. I don't know how to teach these. I'm not Tony Robbins or something. I'm not Kurosaki. You are. And the way you are is what's right behind you, Whitney, is a deep dive, slow digest on a book. So let me explain what that does. A lot of people, even a few mentors of mine would say, okay, have you read Richest Man in Babylon, Whitney? Probably four years ago. It's been a little bit, but yes. One of our favorites. One of our favorites. We're reading it for a second time with our sons at their request. So take a book like Richest Man in Babylon. Some of my mentors would say, you know, get your kid to read the book and do a one-page summary and pay them a hundred bucks. And I get that. The problem is, are they really digesting it? Are they really embedding it? When they're reading it that quick, they're just trying to get some words onto a piece of paper for that hundred bucks, right? What we started to do was slow down our reading and go deeper into it together. So once a quarter, we read a book together and it's going to be around what subject? Personal development, relationship skills, or financial intelligence. So obviously, you know, Richest Man in Bible on financial intelligence. So we're not talking about setting the world on fire with speed reading here. We're talking 10 to 20 pages a week, maybe. And then on Tuesday night, we discuss it. We bring in real life examples. We digest it. We go through it together. How can we put this lesson into our life right now? How have we messed this up? You know, I'll bring in some of my real life business experiences on a book like Richest Man in Babylon. So by the time you're done in the quarter, yeah, we've only read one book that quarter. But man, have you really, really gotten to understand the content because you're reading it and discussing together? It's almost like a family book club. And we've done this with Richest Man in Babylon. The Alchemist, Think and Grow Rich. I mean, you're talking some real classic ones, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens. We try to get stuff that's really applicable to real life. And when you read it slowly, I think you're going to see a better result than if you try to give them 10 books and said, you know, read all 10, do a one-page report, I'll pay you 100 bucks each. You're not going to get the same results. So to start, to get back to what you're saying, start with a book and slowly read it together. You got five people in your family, get five copies of it. Everyone gets their own copy and read it and share slowly. And if you get that one book done that quarter and another one the next quarter, even if you only get three done that year, you've gone deep into learning that I sure as hell wasn't getting when I was 14, like my sons, you know? So that's a great starting point to start instilling these lessons. That's incredible. And you mentioned your boys were 14 or you aren't getting it when you were 14. How old, maybe when to start this or, you know, how young or, you know, maybe 
I don't know. How, how do you think? I know a lot of this is geared towards teens, but what about even younger? Yeah. So I really like books and games, books, games, and experiences. So we'll start to read certain books that are abbreviated to our kids, like financial magazines that are for kids or comic books that are around personal development. So for younger kids, we do that for, you know, we have a five and seven year old. And so we'll read shorter things that are comic book style or that based around personal development. You know, there's stuff from Stephen Covey's group, stuff from Rich Dad series. We also play games. You know, we play the seven habits of happy kids. So that's a great one. You know, I'm a big fan of Stephen Covey's work. So we'll do that. So you can get the younger ones involved for the teens. You know, that real individuality starts to kick in around the age of 11. You know, they're ready for a book like The Alchemist. You know, they're ready for, you know, a book like The Richest Man in Babylon by maybe, maybe by 12, but by around 11 or 12, they're ready. There's some self-actualization going on and you want to support that transition that they're going into this. Like they are starting to see themselves as an individual, as, you know, more awareness of the bigger world. And that's some really important fuel to get them at that age. Yeah. Incredible. I appreciate you just jumping into that. I love the thoughts around, obviously, intentionality around the family night every Tuesday and financial independence, relationship skills, personal development. I mean, that's stuff I had to learn like when I was in my late 20s. Me <laughs> you know? too. Me and I'm too. still learning, right? You see all these books back here, like I'm still focused on these things. That was not shared with me when I was a teenager, right? But just imagine the head start they're going to have. That's my whole goal of saying, I didn't have any idea of return on investment or, or what investment or how to make money work for you or purpose. I wasn't really up on these subjects. And I'm just thinking, gosh, I'm excited for my kids because they're getting it you know, 15 years before I did probably. Jim, I want to jump into, you know, as a listener potentially has older children, right? Maybe they've not been doing this, probably as guilty as I am at times that, you know, we're too, quote, busy, right? And we just haven't spent the time to build those relationships. We really want to, you know, right? We really desire to, but we've not been intentional enough to make that happen. And maybe they are 15 or 16 or whatever. And we're trying to do that now, but there's something standing between us, right? We've not built that relationship. Help us to dive into some experiences or some things that we can do to help break that barrier down. I think one of the first things, especially people going, oh, my teens will never go for it. I think you got to apologize and say, look, I've been super busy. I've been wanting to spend more time with you. There's no strings attached. There's no lectures to this. I just want to get together and have a good time. And that'll start with the book right behind you. You start to put that into effect. And I talk in the book about ways that you know, you can start to have that really raw conversation of saying, look, there's no catch here. I just, time is fleeting with you and I want to enjoy the time that we have. Let's get together. That's a great way. Another great way is the old fashioned adventure, whether it's a weekend or a week, you know, or, you know, we've been lucky to do lots of six week adventures. I really like those and I've been able to implement those, but let's start with a weekend or a week. And here's my advice. This is so simple. If you're going to plan an adventure with your family, go on the adventure completely. What I'm seeing a lot now with entrepreneurs with that badge of honor is they go on a vacation. They're a complete dud. Like our 11-year-old self would be like, gosh, this guy is lame. Like he's just half grumpy, not paying attention. Oh, you go to the pool. I'm going to make these calls. Like be there. Go all in on the adventures. These are the things that forge relationships and memories. 
somehow we've all started to, well, at least I was guilty of this years back to work through them. Yeah, we get the plan the vacation we go and then we don't participate. It's a really, really disappointing thing for our kids and for ourselves because this time is fleeting. So I like to go back to the simple thing of, yes, the book behind you, start to plan these one-on-one days with your teens. Tell them, let them miss a day of school. Oh, no, don't say that. Well, hey, 50 years from now, what's going to be more important? You know, a day that they miss of school to connect with us and set that example or one day at school. You know, if you have to bribe them that way, I would do it. Because these moments, I saw what it did for my son. I've gotten thousands of notes, like the one you read to me before, of the difference it makes. So start with that and also go back to the old thing of planning a short family adventure. And when you're there, be there. Don't check out and say, I've got you all here now. I'm going to go work. Be there. Go all in. So when you're coming back, you're going to have some work on your plate. But man, you're going to be recharged. Your family's going to feel honored. They're going to feel closer. You're going to be probably more charismatic and funnier and more memorable, which is what we all want as parents. Jim, you know, as a busy, successful entrepreneur, speak to the prep work maybe that you do before an adventure like that, business-wise, like in the grind, right? You're speaking to your employees or, you know, your business partner. How are they all prepared for this adventure as well? So you are like, you're checked out of business, right? But you're checked in on the adventure. What are some things we should think about? So we're just more mentally there. Yeah, I think coverage is important. Knowing and coverage, you know, your team should know if you're going away. Sometimes I'd be guilty about my team would be calling me and my wife would say, hey, we're going on this three-day weekend. Did you let them know? And I'm like, oh, no, I thought I could take the call. So I was the problem. But if you have a good camaraderie of your team, like our team, family is a core value. You know, if something comes up with family, we're all there to support each other, encourage each other, been to each other's weddings and done adventures together with our team and their families. So we look for coverage like, hey, Jim's going to be out for this three day weekend. No, don't you worry about it. We're going to handle this. We'll talk about it on Monday or Tuesday. So first of all, you let your team know that you're going to be traveling and hey, this I really want to go all in. And secondly, start that culture of coverage. Where, hey, like right now, my EA is out this week and we're all covering for her, you know, and she's having a great time at a family wedding and, you know, is out in the wilderness with doing some camping and we're going to cover for her. So if you start that and you trickle that down, it, it can be huge. If you're the type that says, I don't care if you're with family and that, guess what? They're going to try to drag you into stuff when you're traveling. And why shouldn't they? Yeah. Love that. If you're doing that for your team members, they're going to be inclined to do it for you as well, right? And respect that boundary. Love that and cover for you and just preparing them ahead of time. Anything else that you would add there as far as you know those boundaries we're trying to knock down with an older child, maybe we've not built a relationship with. And you said, got to apologize. I love that. Just go to them and say, hey, I messed up. And then creating an adventure or letting them out of school day. Most of them probably going to be on board with that, right? Yeah. Love that. But anything else you would leave us on that note? Um, you know, just with, when I did all those interviews, Whitney, it was over 10 years ago. And I was asking, what is the biggest concern you have when it comes to your children, especially teens? And man, the answer came back. This was really interesting, like 99% the same. I don't know if it was the, the theme of the time or, but I think it's still relevant today. They all said this, I want my kids to appreciate what they have. Now, most of these people were hardworking entrepreneurs, probably first generation wealth like myself. I don't come from any money. 
And on that, that resonated with me. It was like, man, I want my kids to appreciate what they have. We've worked hard for this, you know, lack of appreciation. There's no joy. So I really want my kids to appreciate what they have. And so many other people share that. One of the best ways, you know, getting back to experiences, and this is in our education matrix. And I can probably send you a picture to include in the show notes of our matrix. That would be great. In financial intelligence, personal development, and relationship skills, there's only one subject that appears in all three, only one, and that's service and contribution. Active service and contribution, Whitney, is the thing that I feel is the best offense and defense about our kids becoming unappreciative of what they have. You know, I can think about with my oldest, who's 18 now, when he was 12, we went to Mexico with a group Homes for Hope, just him and I, and we built houses. And there he was, you know, this, it's an incredible organization where we all went down a group of entrepreneurs. We put in the money. They had bought the little plot of land. It would have taken them 20 years to save for the house. We step in and build the house. This beautiful family, you know, we build the house in two days. They're crying. But my son had a really big breakthrough because the kid, one of the kids in the family was his age, another 12 year old. And all they had to use the bathroom and they invited him into their little tent. They're living in this makeshift tent. No one's going to have to go to the bathroom. The kid, you know, they were playing soccer, motions him in. And they're in this little, I mean, tarp, you know, not barely, barely livable, really, Whitney, is their bathroom, which was a PVC bucket. So in this little bathroom, not couldn't even really call it a bathroom, is their bathroom consisted of a PVC bucket and a, a board cut half out. And my son, you know, at the age of 12, you cannot teach those kind of lessons in the classroom. This is where experiential learning comes in. I mean, what he saw and felt right there and reflected back to all of us at the end of the day, you know, it was pretty emotional for him. He's like, I never realized what I have. I didn't realize that this, and it's such a powerful lesson. So we're always trying to get involved in active service and contribution, whether it's we've done foster care, which was a big thing. We've done different surfing events. You know, we're a very ocean-oriented family. So we've gone taking handicapped children surfing, we've taken blind and deaf kids surfing, wounded warriors surfing, you know, so that they're seeing that. We've done service work in Guatemala, Mexico, Costa Rica, here locally. And yes, we make our teens get involved because the only way to instill that value of not just thinking about ourselves, I think is an active in-service contribution. I love that. You know, recently there's a local group nonprofit here in our town that serves food to lots of families all over the town. And I was trying to do this, almost what you're saying, and got our kids involved because it helps them to see. I mean, we were going into some really rough parts of town and they get to see the way other people have to live, right? They see other people on the street. They get to see homes that they've never witnessed before, you know, in this kind of shape and, and disrepair. And so I love that, you know, where this active service and contribution, how you talk about it, it shows up in all three of those lessons, right? That you're trying to hit for your kids. So anything else around that you'd like to leave with us? I want to ask you to elaborate on, or maybe not as much detail as we can in just a few minutes on, you said there were like seven or eight rhythms in the last segment that you and your family have. Would you care to share some more of those? Maybe we don't have time to go in detail, but I'd love to know some more. I'd love to implement some more myself. Yeah, sure. I think, you know, planning experiences, planning them are half the fun. And you say, we don't have time to do that. Well, time try going back to the dinner time challenge. <laughs> Cut off for 
just an hour a day, all of a sudden you have this time freed up where you're not rushing to a text or a social media thread or an email or a show. And they can be really fun to plan together. And when you plan these, get them involved. You know, our kids, my wife and say, how about do this? Well, we don't really want to do that at all. And, you know, we'll take input and we'll try to plan adventures together. So getting them involved in the planning of a vacation or a weekend getaway is huge. Service and contribution, huge. Getting them involved at events like you and I have met at. I'm the weird guy who brings his family. I want my kids soaking this stuff up like a sponge. And yeah, we'll still do fun stuff on the side, but I want them to learn that. And so these things all feed back into how do we create these? How do we do this? Well, it's our rhythms. You know, again, what's a great starting rhythm? The dinnertime challenge. Once a day, turn that phone off for an hour, usually around dinner. You know, enjoy each other. At dinner, we ask the same question every night. What was your weirdest part of the day? What was your best part of the day? Best and weirdest. You know, our teens have their friends come over. Hey, we're doing best and weirdest. So here we are. Phones are off. There's no phones allowed at my dinner table. I'm a pretty mellow guy, but don't pull a phone out of my dinner table, you know, because I'll say to them, hey, no, that's not our rules here. That goes away. So that's one rhythm, just the dinnertime challenge and we do best and weirdest. Date night. It's a huge thing, Whitney. Every Wednesday, 5.30 to 8.30. We probably won't go into it now, but we do what's called date night with a question. So date night with a question for us. If you go on a date with your wife, Whitney, and you don't kind of prepare, it's going to be, how was the day at school for the kids? Nice weather we're having. You know, oh, did you get the car cleaned? Like real romantic stuff, right? (laughs) (laughs) We prepare deeper questions now, Jamie and I. We have a little deck of cards, you know, we go through them and then we form more. But, you know, go with some deeper questions that keep you dating. So date night with a question is a huge one. The book behind you, spending a day a quarter with each one of my children, absolutely huge, absolutely monstrous for the relationship. I also do an overnight with my wife every quarter. One overnight a quarter with my wife is super important. That's another rhythm that we do. We also do Sunday meeting. This is a weekly one. Sunday meeting is just... Hey, what went good with the week? What didn't go good? What are we doing next week? I'll tell you why that started. Because when my sons, I'd been with them a few years, my one was getting pretty sad. And we were like, what's wrong? He's like, dad's going away. And I had no idea. And we're like, well, we mentioned it to you. He was running around the yard being a kid. He's like, I had no idea he was leaving. I just feel sad if I don't know he's going. So we started to have Sunday meeting where we'd say, hey, we're here meeting. Dad's going to be gone for a day this week just so you know. And, and it's just a time to discuss and be there. So Sunday meeting is a pretty big one as well. You know, we try to plan at least two big adventures a year. So you want to do, you know, vacation planning. You know, if you can do one a year, if you only do one a year, that's great. You know, we try to do more than two now. We've worked up to that, but that's a really important rhythm. For me, twice a year, normally I go away and overnight just meet. Where I write, I do nothing, I might hike, I just completely decompress. And I encourage my wife to do the same thing because sometimes we all get overwhelmed. Sometimes we need just that quiet stillness to write, reflect. So at least twice a year, I'll do an overnight with just me. I'm actually going to Ireland this year to see relatives for a whole week. This is a big one for me, just me. We're going to try to bring the whole family. And my wife and I said, you should go. And so I'm going to just go and hike Ireland, the West Coast of Ireland quietly and i'm planning on writing a lot of my reflections out on that you know for fun no pressure but for fun so that's another 
one that we have. And then we have holiday traditions. You know, I know that's old fashioned, but, you know, every Friday after Thanksgiving, we're going to get our Christmas tree at a Christmas lot. You know, every Thanksgiving, almost every year, it is a monstrously huge Thanksgiving hosted at our house. And our kids look forward to that. and Their cousins look forward to that. You know, we have traditions around on Christmas, on Fourth of July with our fireworks. So around the holidays, we do have certain things that we do over and over. So that's a couple of, I don't know how many of that that I gave, but those are some ones that hold our family life together. That's incredible. That's a bunch. I was taking notes of all of them and I love that. And a couple I wanted to ask you about, and and I love too, you mentioned, you know, going away, even yourself, right? You're away for at least one night and encouraging your wife to do that also. Two big adventures per year. You know, you mentioned the Sunday meeting. I love that. And I noticed I've been, I travel a lot as well. And even recently, it's like over the last two months, it's like I'm going every week for like two to three nights, it seems. And I know one morning I was leaving really early and I went up to tell my boys, you know, goodbye. And they were, and one of them was like, well, you're leaving? <laughs> I didn't know you were going anywhere. Yeah, you yeah. know, And I just in the rush of things or just, you know, they're traveling so much. Well, I didn't think to tell you I was leaving again this week. Right. And so I love that idea of the Sunday meeting. Yeah, because he tried to tell them. You might have told them that they're running around the front yard or right. doing something with their friends. Or they're not focused. And yeah, it's pretty profound. I mean, you just said you've had the same thing where they're like, wow, I didn't know you were going. And it's nice. You're missed. But they're also feeling a little cheated. Like, hey, I wish I was in the know. You know, and you could say, oh, well, you weren't paying attention. But I'd rather take the responsibility and say, I can make them better aware that I'm going to be traveling. How lucky am I that they're actually missing me, right? Yeah. Wow. No, I love that. I'm going to talk to my wife about that today. <laughs> I hope that we'll implement that. And of course, getting back to obviously teen mastermind night's a big rhythm in our family. All right. That Tuesday night, you know, things are busy. There's sports, jobs, social lives, our own stuff. So we may try to make it one simple night. And it's like, that's our night of that learning. You guys got to learn these lessons. It's going to give you an unfair advantage in life to personally and professionally. I want to see that for you. Brings us together. It's great subjects to learn together. That's a sacred night for us. It's tonight, actually. We're recording on a Tuesday here. So it's actually tonight. What's the time frame on that? Or how long does that meeting typically last? I'm sure it varies some, but I just wonder. Two hours, maybe two and a half. Sometimes we'll go an hour and a half. Sometimes we'll go three hours, but it's held there. You know what I mean? So I'd say it's standard about two hours. I was just thinking about connecting like dinner time and then time for that. How do you handle that? I know dinner time, it can seem so busy, right? Getting done at the dinner table. And like you said, too, we talked about it in an earlier segment. Dinners used to be 90 minutes, right? Allow so much space where, I mean, I have military law enforcement background. I'm just like, hey, let's... <laughs> I'm done with dinner, right? Otherwise, we'll sit there for an hour with the smallest meal with some of the kids, right? So, just wondered how you make that transition or say, hey, you know, dinner's over. We got other things to do. So, let me, I'll break down Team Mastermind Night for you. So, three nights a week, we have a local chef who is so dang affordable, so tasty and healthy. He makes meals for us. You know, Jamie, my wife, works in 18 summers with us, and she's a great mom helping with a Waldorf school in town, five kids ranging from five months to 18. Something had to give. And I said, look, I love for you prepping. This might be something you want to give up. She has. So Tuesday night tonight, our meal's getting delivered right here. Super yummy for everyone. We don't do a ton of electronics here or TV time, but we allow some. This is a night where we do something that, you know, 
most people would steer away from, but we let our two younger ones get a TV thing right in front of it and watch a Disney movie. And I know the effects of letting them be separate and not be five and seven-year-olds running into our teen mastermind to eat their dinner, have it. It's part of what we need to do as a family. And then the rest of us are at the dining room table, eating and enjoying it there. So we have the meal prepped for us for that night. Our little ones, yep, we're giving them a dinner movie. You know what I mean? Not we would do any other night of the week, but we're like, we need them settled so we can be with our big guys. And that's what we do. And that's what the setup looks like for the night. Love that. I love that. That's incredible. And I appreciate the transparency behind that as well, just exactly how you all do it. But then also, you know, the willingness to even hire out some of the things like that potentially your wife would be doing, or maybe you as well, or, you know, that's, that's takes away from that time, right? And willingness to figure that out. I know that's, it's not always easy to find somebody that can cook or bring meals in or maybe other things in the home as well. So yeah, that's incredible, incredible tips. Jim, how can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? Yeah, best way to find out about us is 18summers.com. You can see what we're up to. We also have a podcast, which we want to bring Whitney on for the amazing work he does with fostering and adoption. I know that's something that my wife's looking forward to. And so the 18 Summers Family Podcast is a great way to learn more about us. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.